Because I can control the weather, they call me Storm. Welcome to This Week in Nerd News, your one-stop shop for all of the pop culture you may have missed this week. Brought to you by the Black Nerd Problems Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, Mikkel Snyder. And I'm your host, Keith Reed Cleveland. It is, it is September, surprisingly. A fact that I still cannot believe. How, how about you, Keith? Can you believe that it is the ninth month of the year? It just hit me that it's September because this week is when it got really cold in Chicago. Well, not really cold, like 60s. Up until now, from like March until like August, it was within the same range of like 70 to 90, so it just felt like a blur. This is the first time I looked out the window and went, oh, time has passed. This is not a dream. We're really doing this. So it's definitely like a big shift for me, too. So so weird. And then in, in two months, we'll be talking about daylight savings time and suddenly losing an hour. But what is time? Does time mean anything anymore? I don't know. I'm not sure. All I know is that the start of the next generation of console wars is unfolding in real time right before our very eyes. And as a PlayStation 4s and Xbox One Xs continue to turn their fans to keep their not-quite-a-decade-old hardware in check, we have been waiting for the nebulous holiday 2020 season to bring us our new consoles, and we've been waiting for Microsoft and Sony to bring new information about these machines that will bring us joy in the near future. And Microsoft got the ball rolling this week and signaled that all of these things were indeed going to happen this year as they revealed a string of announcements, namely that the Xbox Series X will have a smaller cousin, the Xbox Series S, which boasts a drastically reduced real estate, which means that it's much smaller. It's like the smallest Xbox they've put out. But it has equally impressive hardware inside of it, and it comes with the Game Pass library, which also announced this week, now includes all of EA Play's uh, games in that service as well. When that That's just so many games that you can get now with the Games Pass. And then on top of that, Microsoft did something that Sony's been afraid to do for a very long time. That's announced when pre-orders for the consoles would go live. So on September 22nd, you'll be able to put money for a console that is going to come out on November 10th, which, for all of you Destiny 2 fans, is when Beyond Light is going to come out, so that's exciting. And because we can pre-order this in a couple weeks, this also means we actually know how much these suckers are going to cost. So, the Series X sits at a respectable $499, and the Series S at an equally impressive $299, which is a very competitive price point given the, the power of the hardware inside of it and the access to all of the games that you get. And then on Sony's front, we got a tweet that said that on Wednesday, September 16th, they're gonna show us stuff. That, that was it. That was it. They're gonna, there's gonna be a showcase of, of PlayStation 5 stuff. And mind you, I know I'm getting the PlayStation 5 just out of loyalty. That That's where a lot of my, my gaming, uh, modern-day gaming preferences have come into play. And that's just what I'm comfortable with. But I would really like to know things like, how much will this thing cost? What is the date? Can I give you money in order to get this console on the date? 
Um, because we live in a capitalist framework hell, and I would like to, to plan for these things, because I want my new, my new entertainment box to keep me entertained, as I will likely be in my house still for the rest of the year, because everything is awful. Uh, I'm right there with you. I mean, I would like to know how much these cost, simply so I can figure out how many meals do I have to skip over the next two months so I can save up and get this entertainment box, because I am long overdue for a new entertainment system. The latest thing I have is a Switch, which was fun when quarantine first started as far as, like, Animal Crossing and, like, poorer versions of sports games that I like to play. But that's not nearly enough to really compete when you're going to be in the house exclusively for the next six months plus. So, yeah, I need this to happen quick. Um, I also lean the PS5 route over Xbox, even though I'm very interested to see how Xbox making their announcement of their prices and everything will affect Sony in the PS5 announcement. Because speculation from a few people I've talked to has been that they're basically in a bidding war. They're playing chicken to see who drops which price first, then to see who the other one can either undercut them, like in The Price is Right, or if they want to see, like, well, you know what, we can charge more because people want us more. But I think the range estimates we've been seeing are pretty much going to be on par regardless of the PS5. Like, I'm guessing it's going to be somewhere in, like, the four to $500 range. But we'll have to see if that... All I know is this announcement better be about something that comes with either, either a release date and or price points. If I can get one of those, I can have something to focus on. Even if, like, it's just the price point, like, cool. I'll just have the money in my account just waiting. And when that day comes, I will drop it and it's fine taken care of. But I'm excited to see that we're at least somewhat closer to this becoming a reality because we've been talking about these new game systems for over a year at this point. So, I mean, it's about time that we're, like, kind of like the Avatar. They're returning when we need them the most. I mean, I mean, to your point, like, this is, this is a long time coming. This has probably been, like, the longest lifespan of a current-gen console. Like, a lot of these came out in, like, 2013, and they've been... They've been plugging away for for seven years or so, and they've been good, reliable consoles that have shaped the landscape for for better or for worse. And it's been very much a war of attrition between between all three of the major gaming companies. Honestly, though Nintendo very much said sort of like we're gonna go talk to everyone. Um, we're gonna talk to your mother, your grandmother, your grandfather, your father. We're gonna talk to your little siblings. We're gonna get all of them into the Switch. And there's nothing you can do about it. Um, and I, I feel like Nintendo is just sort of like... You, you have, you have like, a PlayStation 5 and a Switch. You have, like, an Xbox and a Switch. I think it's a little less rare uh, to have, like, a PlayStation and an Xbox and a Switch. Yeah, let's choose at some point. Yeah, because they're, they're expensive pieces of machinery still. And most of us need a computer to also function in our day-to-day lives as well. So uh, another gaming console is is a, is a thing. Um, so Microsoft pulled some like really cool shots with with all of these announcements. Like we knew that the PlayStation Five had like the full version and then like a slim digital version. So seeing Xbox respond sort of like. Well, here's the refrigerator, and here is this giant speaker. It's not actually a speaker. It's a fan. It just looks like a speaker, because that's how it looks like when you have, like, a cage that is circular on top of a box. So, again, I'm I'm really intrigued about this whole counterplay with the uh, price points. I'm really intrigued about all of the stuff that Microsoft is doing to sort of, like, reinvigorate its stuff, because the Game Pass has been, like, a very selling point for a lot of Microsoft uh, and Xbox users for a while. And it's a very comprehensive library that's only becoming more comprehensive as time goes on. 
and yeah, uh, this is this is a good time to be a gamer, and I, we're excited to have you back in in uh, the Sony console land soon enough. So uh, we'll get to do Rocket League for game night soon enough. I'm, I'm I'm sure. Yes, I'm looking forward to that as well. I can like be a real gamer now instead of just like a Switch guy. Hey, 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 we don't, everyone's a gamer. Everyone's a gamer. We, we don't gatekeep here at This Weekend Nerd News, so Black Nerd Problems. Like, we, we don't do that. Like, if you if you play a game, you are, by definition, a gamer. True. Uh, we can put quotation marks around gamer depending on the context and who we're talking about. But, like, as the point stands, like, you have a Switch. You played Animal Crossing for a couple months. You, you succumb to the same temptations like the rest of us. It's fine. A few weeks ago, we did a segment where we broke down a glaring lack of in-office diversity in Marvel Comics and how the publisher eventually doubled back on its attempts at embracing diversity on the page, largely due to fears of pushback from a certain segment of readers, shall we say. We also took time out to talk about the layoffs at DC Comics that affected different parts of the company ranging from comic books, the DC Universe app, and even their model production system. Now that some of the dust is cleared, these two stories are kind of melding together in an odd way. It was announced that DC Comics recently hired Daniel Cherry III as general manager and senior vice president about a week ago, and Cherry's already starting off on the right foot, arguably. He recently published a post on his own LinkedIn profile where he says he plans to embrace the diversity of DC's global audience. Quote, while always respecting the past, I also think it's our responsibility to leverage the cultural power of DC Comics and our characters to entertain and inspire an increasingly diverse global fan base. Comics have the unique power to create revenant imagery and narratives that can, that can move the world toward a better, more inclusive version of itself. Now, for a little extra background, Cherry III previously served as the CMO of Activision's Blizzard Esports. Now, we've definitely seen moves like this be made in the past. I personally feel like this is very reminiscent of Axel Alonso's tenure as editor-in-chief for Marvel Comics. But it's a little different, and given that Cherry have a higher role in DC Comics, respectively, and will be working alongside Jim Lee and closely with Warner Brothers Studios directly, maybe there's more reason to have hope here that this embrace of diversity will actually have long-lasting impact and bear some fruit that we can see develop and grow into something for a while. Or am I just being too optimistic there? Just curious. I think it's a lot to ask for to be optimistic in the year 2020 for a lot of different reasons. That that's just me personally, not to be too much of a of a downer constantly. It's it's hard to say, right? Cuz cuz a lot of this comes out of like the we're in the post DC fandom. So the DC universe has basically said like here's here's the plan. Here is the gambit. Here is the the stuff that we have that we are excited to show off and it it has a wide range of things right like we have the return of milestone that's very exciting we have all of the dc uh, cinematic universe movies coming out in a wide variety of times which are cool it's great that like superheroes are getting the shine that they deserve on the platforms that they deserve um it's also hard to be like really excited about this because like there were massive layoffs at DC Comics just a couple weeks ago, and including, like, a lot of, like, great editors who were just sort of, like, they produced a lot of great books, and sort of, like, if you're really promoting this idea of sort of, like, we want to be more inclusive, we want to, like, have more diversity, right? And all of this is, like, nebulous buzzwords still, because, like, they're corporations aiming to make a profit at the end of the day. Um, 
and it's just sort of like okay that's great but that's just lip service right now what is the what is the practice what is the actionable steps that you are going to do in order to achieve these these goals and what happens when they falter and why did you get rid of some of the editors that were doing really good work for you if this was part of the plan anyway? Like, there are just minor disconnects here and there for me. And and again, it's just so weird that, like, an esports manager is, is becoming the publisher, or not publisher, but, like, the head of DC Comics. Like, that, that just seems odd to me. Mm-hmm. And that's a great call-out for sure. So... In my own experience, being in corporate America, but also witnessing other people do the same thing, one thing that's become very clear to me and was explaining me point blank is that whenever you make an executive level hire, that's made for a very specific strategic reason. For example, you think about a startup company, there might be you hire one one vice president because they're very good at growth and like helping company get to where it has to be. Then when the company gets to that point, they move on and you hire somebody that's good at maintaining growth. And then when it's time to expand and maybe merge with other companies, you hire somebody that's good at acquisitions, things along those lines. And just reading between the lines here, I could be wrong. I think that with this new hire acquisition of Cherry, the third might be his task may be to help DC Comics embrace this new digital space and this global audience and things along those lines to help DC become a part of the future instead of leaning so much on his legacy and everything. I mean, he even said himself here, while all respecting the past, I think it's our responsibility to leverage the cultural power of DC Comics, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's kind of what's going on here. But you're definitely right. It's bittersweet that this kind of a hire that's going to change the culture of the entire company comes immediately after they had massive layoffs, which also makes me think that maybe those layoffs weren't simply about finances, but also they were actually restructuring because, you know, they always say you're restructuring when you have massive layoffs, but a lot of times it's like, oh, we're broke. So we're just like cutting off people that we can't just stay afloat. So maybe this was a combination of both. Like DC needed to go ahead and cut some, but also they're like, all right, we're trying to go in a new direction and we're actually going to like let go of some of our very, very talented people who we could probably keep and still do that same thing. But this is just part of that shift, which is unfortunate part of this business ethics and capitalism, which we talk about on the show on a very regular basis. But I do think this is definitely like a hint at what's to come down the line. I wouldn't be surprised to see that we get a combination of the things that did work with DC Universe could turn into something else and like Cherry and his staff being in charge of that. But also rest in peace, DC Universe, and as you get assumed into HBO Max, which is a great platform. I love having an HBO Max account. I just also just sort of like, oh, DC Universe, your app is going to become a glorified comic book reader soon enough. I, I love DC Comics. I love the characters. I love I love the properties. I love the stories that have come out of DC, and I'm I'm... I'm genuinely excited to see what the future holds for them. It's just, we're in a very nebulous time right now. And I really hope that all of this is for the greater good, as it were. But it's hard to say right now in the moment looking at discrete incidents. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see. It feels particularly weird, at least to me, to look at science fiction during the year 2020, if only because there's already so much happening on a wide variety of scales and fronts, like seeing the very real impact of climate change happen in real time, 
and a pandemic that is still very much in all of our day-to-day lives, but at the same time, science fiction does provide a look into a different, sometimes kinder, sometimes harsher world, and there is plenty of content in the wonderful world of science fiction that keep us occupied during these strange times, if nothing else. And this week brought a lot of exciting news for fans of science fiction. Um, and it started with the announcement that The Mandalorian Season 2 would be releasing on Disney Plus at the end of October on the 30th, which feels both very close and very far away at the same time because time, again, is not real anymore. But uh, the adventures in babysitting Baby Yoda will continue, and I'm very excited to see what the more cohesive storytelling that John Farrow talked about in his exclusive sneak peek with Entertainment Weekly hinted at. Um, so Mandalorian Season 1 was very much like self-contained stories that very much felt like bottle episodes that were connected, but like they felt like individual units. Like you could watch an episode of The Mandalorian and be sort of like, this makes sense. And it sounds like Favreau was shifting that a little more to be serialized, which is interesting in a lot of different ways. But honestly, I'm, I'm just here for Baby Yoda. Like, give me more of that good, good, good puppet stuff. Um, it's great. It's great. I'm excited. Um, I'm glad that they finished production before everything happened. Um, so, uh, in addition to Mandalorian Season 2 news, we finally got the highly anticipated trailer for Dune. Uh, this is the second time that Frank Hubert's novel has been adapted for the big screen, but this is with 2020 technology and money, and thus there is more budget to make the spice spicier and the worms wormier. And it, it's a cool-looking trailer. It, it checks off a lot of the, the sci-fi niche boxes. Um, I still have not finished Dune, because Dune is a is a thick book, and it is a dense book. But it, it is, it's one of those science fiction titles that's sort of like, it has the name recognition, it has the iconic moments, the iconic elements, and it's exciting. And Oscar Isaac and Zendaya are in it, so like, you know, pluses everywhere. Also, someone named Timothy Chalamet? I don't, I don't know about him. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways. Um, and then finally, Netflix being Netflix throughout a couple exciting prospects, uh, including the third and unfortunately final season of Kipo and the Age of the Wonder Beast. It is a fantastic uh, piece of animation from DreamWorks Studio. It's set in a post-apocalyptic world. There's lots of singing. You know I love my singing and, and all of the content. Um, really, really recommend that you check it out. And then additionally, they also announced a Vampires vs. the Bronx, a horror comedy film from director Oz Rodriguez about teens fighting to save the Bronx from a vampire invasion. So, you know, exactly what it says on the tin, but that is exactly what we want when we when we say it's sort of like, give us this. So sort of like, vampires versus New York. Yes, cool, excellent, I'm sold. Um, and that's coming out on October 2nd, which again, is really close. Like, speaking, like, objectively, like, we're in the middle of September right now. October 2nd's only, like, three weeks away. That's weird. But to start from the top here, of course, like everyone else, I'm excited for more Mandalorian, or as you put it, Adventures of Babysitting Baby Yoda, even though I'm curious to see how much your Baby Yoda ages by this next season, if at all, because I'm often way more Baby Yoda, but Toddler Yoda may also be cute. You know, he might be able to talk and say really cute words, or like 
two worst sentences, which would be wonderful. So I'm all for that because, like, a lot of great things are happening this season. I want to see Rosario Dawson show up in the show with Ahsoka Tano because that's just, like, meant to happen and, like, it's being everything could have dreamed of for sure. Um, as far as Dune goes, I'm excited about Dune because Dune brings people together. I saw the first movie when I was so young that I basically might as well have not seen it. But my when the trailer first dropped i was watching football on tv and it was like seven o'clock and my boss's boss's boss reached out to me we had a 10 minute conversation about the trailer and how amazing it was i'm like and it's a new job for me too by the way so like yes this is what we do and this is how we build our relationships so yes more sci-fi bringing the world together across backgrounds and generations and everything along those lines next up i feel like vampires versus the bronx is everything that you need for a cult classic and waiting it, whether it's good or not, just the concept of this happening and the people that you have involved means it's probably going to be watched, talked about a whole lot. If it's bad, it's going to become a hate watch that we talk about and pick apart for years to come. If it's good, we're going to hold on a pedestal for being something great. We're diverse and everything. Shout out to Kid Mero, by the way. Love him and everything he does. And Method Man and everyone involved with this project as well. Um, this was, we talked about, this is like a bit of an odd week where not too much big news happened, but like a lot of very important small announcements came. And it's an example of that, how all of this is really good stuff that's going to be coming in a matter of days to be totally honest with you and it's looking like there's something to look forward to in 2020 still that i can enjoy from my home (sighs) time continues to be nebulous and fake but also the only thing that we have to tether us to the days of the week Um, (laughs) there's going to be so much science fiction in like five years or maybe even next year about sort of like like time traveled to 2020 and it's going to be weird and we're going to be sort of like why are you doing this we lived it um, it's going to be interesting well you know a day is going to come when this is all behind us though we can just enjoy all this good content and everything and like in my mind we have a lot of content that we can get right now that people are just sitting on then when the world goes back to normal we're going to get like just inundated with really really good stuff so that's what i'm looking forward to is keeping me going I just, I just want to see Tenant, y'all, but I'm not going to go to a theater still. <laughs> um, you didn't help with the $20 million that it got over Labor Day weekend? No, When no. it needed to make like $800 million to make its money back? I mean, it's making, it's making some strides in the international office and like the, the, uh, the producing company's very much said so like we can't judge standard metrics of success anymore because nothing is, is real. Anyways, uh, wrap, wrap us up, Keith. <laughs> So with that, we're going to dive into our lightning round where we try to recap a bunch of different things that happened this week we couldn't devote an entire segment to, but feel that you should know. With that said, The Walking Dead will finally end after its 11th season, but there are already plenty of spinoffs in existence and even more in the pipeline, so you'll still get plenty more from that universe going forward. Netflix has partnered with Mara Brockakil, who made Girlfriends, The Game, and the other shows, for a multi-year deal to write and produce all new original scripted content for the platform. Brian Lee O'Malley announced that Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, The Game, will be available this holiday season on Google Stadia, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, Windows PC, and Xbox One after it was made unavailable for release back in 2016. The release of Wonder Woman 1984 was pushed back once again to December of this year, which pushes it back all the way to over a year of its original, original release date pre-COVID-19. Production on seasons 3 and 4 of Atlanta have also been postponed until 2021, which means we'll be lucky if we get season 3 in mid to late 2021, probably. And to make Supernatural fans like myself and Mikhail smile, Jensen Ackles will be keeping Baby, the 1967 Chevy Impala that Dean Winchester guards with his life on the series, and which is just finishing up filming for its last season as well. Probably. <laughs> probably. You never know. It may bring it back. 
If you'd like to hear our thoughts on these topics or anything else in nerd news, feel free to tweet us at Black Nerd Problems with the hashtag TWINN. That was This Week in Nerd News. Tune in next week for more pop culture news. Once again, I'm your host, Keith Reed Cleveland. I'm your host, Mikkel Snyder. Feel free to like, comment, subscribe, and leave five stars everywhere we listen to podcasts. We'll be back next week, folks. Have a good one.